But we know that regardless of how we look at diversity or what makes a person diverse from the main population, it's only going to benefit everyone involved and the way that we approach and deliver patient care. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk to Rhonda Manns. Curious and creative, Rhonda relies on the depths of her nursing experience to solve problems. As a nurse leader, she guides others through a design thinking process to improve quality and patient care. Today, we talked to Rhonda about translating nursing into business, the importance of diversity in nursing, and seeing innovation as more than just tech. So Rhonda, thank you so much for talking with us today. I am super excited to be having this conversation with you. Hi, Marian. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. I I love talking with other nurses who are just as excited about innovation and design thinking as I am. So I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your thoughts on those topics. Let's start out with learning a little bit more about your path to nursing. What led you to this profession? So it's very interesting. Um, I've been a nurse for about 12 years now, but I've been in healthcare for you know, dare I date myself, uh, greater than 20 years. So I began as an EMT in New York City. And through that, it gave me the opportunity to really get a peek, a sneak peek at healthcare, ER, nursing, uh, and all the things. And so shortly after 9-11, I left New York City and I moved into New Jersey, where I took a position as an ER tech for the trauma team. That, I think, is what really exposed me to what nurses do on a day-to-day basis. I worked very closely with ER nurses who always had this certain demeanor, calm, cool, collective, but also very knowledgeable, always had the resources in their brain to know what to do at the right time and how to interpret what they were seeing and what to do next. And so shortly thereafter, I moved to um, South Carolina. I actually intended to uh, get a a degree in biology, but after some transitions, I actually changed over to uh, a community college to continue to get my sciences. It was at that time that I met an admission counselor who looked at my prerequisites, my career history, and said, you know what, you'd be perfect for nursing. And so in a really weird turn of events. Um, I continued on to get my prereqs for the biology degree, hoping to switch back to the university, but in other encounters became kind of curious about nursing. So long story short, the admission counselor spoke with me again and said, you know, you really ought to consider this. And I didn't know much about nursing, um, really about what they did, but I was granted provisional acceptance into the program, completed my prereqs and moved into the nursing program. It was at that time that I, I think the light bulb came on. I was completely in love with the amount of critical thinking, the amount of autonomy and, and just being able to see the whole picture, uh, the patient, their lifestyle, how medications influences their outcome. And then how are you going to counteract the things that are going to happen based on the interventions that you provide. And so that is how I became um, more um, exposed to nursing, really. Um, And from there, the path has been amazing. I wanted to step back slightly. What was it about biology that you were so interested in? And have you brought that interest into the work you do in nursing? Oh, absolutely. I have the type of personality where I want to know how all the things work. I realize that everything impacts everything else. I'm very, very curious about systems and and even like human health, how the body creates cells and how the cells become tissues and tissues become systems and organs and all these things. And so 
I think originally my intention was to try to do a pre-med track because I really felt the need to want to support people in their health. I think that was my original intent and I'd never really thought or knew much about the nursing field other than what I saw from the surface. But in speaking with people and, and being very curious, like, can you tell me what you do? Or I saw that you did this for the patient with chest pain. What, what does this lab mean? You know, I mean, as an ER tech, I would, I would be very task oriented, go do this EKG, go draw this blood. But I would see the transformation in the nurse brain, you know, almost kind of light up and say, okay, I know now what to do. And so for me, the draw was to be able to be in a space where I can help others help their health and do better. Yeah. And I mean, you said, you just said it, right? Like you like asking and you like knowing all of the things, right? And that I think is why, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but why you're so drawn to healthcare innovation, right? Like knowing why things work, how they work, where the gaps are. And as you have on your LinkedIn profile, being super creative about how we address those problems, I think is one of the main features of nursing-led innovation. Absolutely. What draws me to design thinking and what keeps me in love with design thinking and innovation are a couple of key elements. First, you're forced to look at one person. You're forced to create an avatar to impact one person. So it's not like you're looking to solve a group of problems for a large group. You literally have to think, how am I going to impact this one person? Design thinking is great in that it allows me to synthesize information from all sorts of places, whether that is um, logistics, right? How do you get supplies to a place? If it's patient care workflow, how do you efficiently create throughput processes that move things along? Design thinking lets me look at where is the clog? What can we do? What resources can we pull together in new and innovative ways? And then how do we create something new to move the process forward exponentially, right? So there's a famous quote that I just recently um, discovered last week, and I'm completely in love with it. I don't remember the author's name, but he said, Edison didn't create the light bulb wondering how to improve the candlestick, which to, to me was profound. It's it's not, design thinking is not um, just changing things for the sake of changing things. It's not about being critical to processes because, oh, this doesn't work. It's literally solution-based. It's focused on how do we create something new? How do we transform this? And then how do we grow by leaps and bounds? And um, I love it. I love it. It allows me to pull in, like I said, from so many different experiences in my life, different environments I've worked in, and then different interests that I have as well. So for our listeners who might not know what design thinking is, can you just talk a little bit about the foundations of design thinking and how it is being used in health and healthcare? Sure. So design thinking is a, a framework that involves five different pieces, which literally um, aims to solve a problem through an MVP or a minimum viable product. So what, what happens is, is that you have to first identify who is the person that you're trying to solve for. What is, you know, you look at the problem, you figure out who are you going to try to solve for. You, you approach it with curiosity and intrigue. There's a specific part that I like in design thinking. It's called the yes and principle. And it's literally where you throw, I mean, if you, if you would imagine you throw these Legos on the table, right? And, and you're saying, okay, we have a problem to solve. How do we increase transportation access for patients who may live in rural areas? And you, you make a suggestion and each person is, is, responsible for providing a suggestion and using the phrase yes and meaning we don't we don't judge we don't criticize that we don't scratch that that solution out prematurely we say okay well what about using a third party uh transportation vendor yes and and what if we form community um, partnerships with local churches or organizations. Yes. And, and then you just, you really just take the, the, the limits off of the thinking, 
right? And you just, you just all of a sudden start to come up with these new, and again, I hate to overuse the word creative ways that maybe you hadn't seen before. But there's one term that, um, that I really like is also in design thinking, and it's called how might we, and when you approach things with the how mindset, I think that also just fosters creation because it's not, well, what about and why? And, and you don't get tangled up in the, in the things, right? It's literally, how might we create a better career path for nurses? How might we, right? So it already gives you the opportunity to, to say, I have, I don't have the answers yet, but let's, let's, let's dig deep. Let's, let's get silly with it. Right. And I mean, and, and some really profound things come, come out of it. And, and with design thinking, it's almost like the more you think about it, the more simple or the more the answer kind of floats to the top. And so that's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of using design thinking and the human centered approach of design in health and healthcare. And I think one of the reasons why is exactly what you said. It's a very collaborative and creative approach to solving problems. And um, I love that there are a lot of other nurses out there really starting to think about how we can impact and make change using this method. Yes. And so back to your question about how we can use design thinking innovation in healthcare or nurse led innovation, you know, as we know, nurses are the closest professionals to the provision of patient care. They're in it. They're making workarounds. They're using things to maybe solve problems to other problems. And so instinctively, I think nurses just having been, been in the environment and, and working in the way that they do, they're naturally curious about, well, why are we doing things like this? Why, you know, why, why, why do we follow a process that might seem a bit antiquated when we can do it a better way? Or maybe in their daily work, they've identified, oh, you know what? why are we using this form and why don't we just X, Y, Z? But I think there needs to be that connection or maybe more of the encouragement and the awareness of what design thinking is and how it leads to innovation. And that innovation is not always a product. It's not always creating the new, you know, laser fast mobile device or something like that. It's literally improving upon a process, a service, or, you know, maybe creation of a product. But I think nurses are so right for that. And they're, I think they do it all the time. They just don't realize um, what it is. But I will say that I'm very glad that, um, that Penn offers the design thinking course for free online. And, and maybe you can provide that website at the end of the podcast that lets nurses pull together the pieces of taking them through the five steps to ideate, to prototype, to think how might we, so that they can take those tools, form a discussion, have those discussions with their managers or their, their clinical leaders and say, Hey, you know, we're using a lot of IV tubing um, piggyback tubing that, you know, we might ought to just maybe go to single lumen, you know, this not only saves the department, but, you know, we're wasting a lot of this. And when I go into the supply room, there's a ton of this stuff that we're not using. Thank you for that shout out to our design thinking for health platform. I will make sure to include that link at the end. So you make a really good point in that innovation is not just about new products or technologies things like that. And I hear this all the time. I think sometimes, not just nurses, I think a lot of people hear innovation, they automatically think widgets and technology and products. And I teach a class on design thinking um, at Penn. And a lot of my groups of students, when we're talking about creating solutions, automatically default to apps and to websites and to technology changes. And I'm constantly trying to encourage those students to think a little bit more broadly, think about processes, think about systems, think about how we communicate with our patients and the communities. All of those things can also be innovations. It's really the method that you're using and how you're creating those new solutions that can be innovative. How do you think we get the word out 
that it's not just about technology and not just about apps? I think the approach is twofold. And one, it takes awareness and conversations like this from other nurse innovators to speak to the nursing body to say, hey, maybe just think innovation is process improvement, right? How are we changing things for the better of our patients, for ourselves, for our work lives, and for the system? And so I have a really cool um, real life story about how I was able to use, uh, how I was able to innovatively change a process or improve something that happened in the ER. Can I share it? Of course. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. So a few years back, I was an assistant nurse manager in a very large ER where we handled trauma patients, um, interventional stroke uh, services. We also had a gold star heart program for interventional uh, approaches in, in, in cardiac cath and all these things. And it was really great. But what I noticed is that, and this was years ago, back when sepsis bundles and sepsis quality bundles were very new. CMS had come up with this, this 62 point checklist that said, you must do all the things for you to get credit for um, quality sepsis measures. As we know, sepsis is, um, is very deadly and it's very common and there's been a lot of improvements. But back at the time, I worked in a department where we weren't quite hitting the, the quality standards. And so what I did was I sat back and I looked and I made a chart at the five different reasons of why our charts were either falling out or we were missing the quality measures. And I picked the top three. I said, if I can just affect the top three, how much would the improvement be? And I'm proud to say that um, after spending some time looking at what was going on, creating three new answers or approaches for the nursing staff to do, we actually improved our sepsis quality measures 25% in under 30 days. Now that is the difference from going from, let's say 70, 76% to into the 90s. And so what does that change? What does that translate into more than better chart reviews, more than quality, um, also reimbursement, but you're talking about patient lives. And essentially what I did was I took the three top causes, which they were simple. There were simple things. It was not documenting IV stop times. Once you finish the IV antibiotics, it was teaching the staff how to select the right antibiotics for penicillin, um, for patients with penicillin allergies, and then also just simply having two blood pressures after the IV fluid bolus. And so to approach this, I, I reverse engineered it. I said, okay, let's do one-on-one chart reviews for the people who may be missing one or three elements. Let's spread the word by getting weekly huddles out to say, hey, we're really going to just focus on sepsis recovery. We're going to do the right thing for our patients. I just want you to do X, Y, Z. And I created a poster, which was good, which allowed me to pull in my, you know, my photography and my graphic design skills. And I made a cool little poster to hang by the, the medication administration um, machine. And then also just trying to re-educate the staff on empirical antibiotic charts, which medicines come first so that we can do the right things for the patients and also pass our charts. And you know what? It was amazing. And none of that took technology. None of that took me having to code, sit with, you know, <laughs> with a design team, you know, finding $30,000 to launch a new product. It literally was taking what I knew about the system and just refining it. Um, now we'll tell you there was a little bit of IT um, in the later stage of the process. There was some IT intervention where I sat with the IT team for the software and the sepsis coordinator. And we all thought together, how do we now address the next issue? And the next issue was our sepsis handoff <laughs> was missing a very quality piece of information. And that was when the last lactic acid was drawn. And as you know, anybody in nursing working with sepsis patients, you know, you have a very strict window about when this is drawn so that you can get the results so that more medicines can be um, addressed and ordered and, and, and you can move along the sepsis pathway. And so I sat with the IT team and we thought about it. Is there a way, right? How might we use the software that's already collecting the data and pare it down into a simple report that does not go into the patient's chart, but you can use as a communication tool from the ER to the floor. And so we created a dot phrase. And when the nurses gave their normal communication, their phone communication, they were able to have this paper 
and send it so that the next nurse can simply pick it up and keep the ball rolling. And it was amazing. And none of that took coding. I think where technology and healthcare need to come together, it's a partnership. Technology is not going to come and save the day. Healthcare is, you know, needs to be a little bit more open to tech, but I literally think it's a collaboration. So you're the second nurse I've interviewed in the last couple of weeks who also has an MBA. I'd love to hear a little bit about why you wanted to get your MBA and how that has helped you with your nursing career. Absolutely. So the way that I determined how to find a root cause analysis using a Pareto method came from my MBA studies. But I'll take a little step back and take you on a journey. When I first started as an ER nurse in my career, I absolutely loved it. And um, through that, it gave me the opportunity to precept other nursing students and new hires and things of that nature. But I found that I didn't have, I I grew kind of bored a little bit, I think. And so what I did was I I took up a part-time job, which is not unusual for nurses, right? We will usually have 1.4 jobs. (laughs) We'll have a job and we'll have a part-time job. And then it was in that time that I I entered into rare diseases. I worked for a biopharmaceutical company, almost as like a clinical nurse educator, but I worked with a specific group of, of people. And that was pulmonary hypertension and idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis patients. I also did some moonlighting with some immunodeficiencies and hemophilia patients, but for the most part, my main focus was pulmonary hypertension. And what I learned in this very business-like environment was that we had very powerful leaders. We had supervisors and regional managers, but there, there seemed to be a, a disconnect between understanding how business objectives lined up with clinical workflows. So even at the end of the year, when we got our performance evaluations, what I noticed was they were all business goals. How did you impact the territory? How did you um, meet your KPIs and all these things? And then I thought to myself, hmm, wouldn't it be great if you had somebody who had clinical knowledge of how workflow and patient care services work, sitting in places where business decisions are made that impact both the patient as well as the clinical staff who's working. At the same time, juggling two jobs, most of my colleagues were going back to school for the MSN and they were becoming FNPs or family nurse practitioners. And it was, the idea was great. I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, yeah, this is something I want to probably go for, but I took a step back and I said, you know, what if I could be, and this was many years when, when nurses didn't get MBAs, what if I could be that clinical thought leader who spoke both languages? who could both read a budget and know how to apply it. And at the time, I noticed that there were companies like Philips and and Samsung who were starting to get into maybe talking about patient care, entering the patient care market, right? So Philips already had the patient monitoring systems in the hospital, and Samsung was going to go into maybe doing wearables or blood pressure models. And I said, hmm it would be really cool to have a nurse in that space because oftentimes we look at businesses, right? And I'm doing air quotes, no one can see. And the first person they may hire is a chief medical officer. But you, as you and I know, nursing science is its own specialty. The way we approach patients, cares, problems, all these things, it's very, it's very unique. And you can't fake it. You can't replicate it. And you can't just jump in to it as an observer. You have to know it. And the power of the nurse voice, it's just, it's amazing. And that's one of my personal, my personal objectives is just to continue to raise the visibility of the value of nurses in non-traditional spaces. And so I decided to um, pass on the MSN and get my MBA, um, to which many people said, that's crazy. What are you going to do with that? Because even chief, chief nursing officers had MSNs. They did not have NBAs. And so I went with it. I went with it. It worked out good. Um, I was able to leave my rare disease position and um, take on the management position. And then after that, I was able to um, do a small stint in healthcare IT consulting, where I found 
that there is a niche where nurses can be appreciated by businesses because the, the challenge is businesses don't know what to do with nurses. Their idea is, okay, well, we don't have patients. You can take blood pressures on. So why the nurse, right? And then nursing field at that time, years ago thought, well, you have an MBA, you know, we have a CFO, we, we have, you know, non-clinical leaders. What, what are you going to do? So I found myself at this really weird intersection, but from then I can tell you that I am now at the perfect spot for me at the intersection of clinical workflows, business systems, and technology. And can you explain a little bit more? You say you're at the perfect spot of that now. What, how are you using those skills in the profession and in the job that you have now? Okay. So my present role, I am the clinical nurse voice that sits on a scrum agile software development team (laughs) who develops products, digital health products and software products for nurse practitioners and doctors to do their best work for patients with complex medical needs and, and, and health populations. So what that means is I get to speak to the business to see, okay, you have a request. You want to, you want to make this new form because COVID is here and you need a place for the nurse practitioners to chart, right? Interventions and education and assessments and things like that. I take up the requirements. I write it and translate it into a technical language where the software team can now develop the modules, the forms, how the form interacts with the system, how the system saves the information in the database, how the database prints, how does the database now share that information through an interface to the doctor who can see Miss Mary Jones, and that's a a fake name, was seen at the physician's office. Now, how do I get the labs to retrieve, you know, when I press a button? So I sit right in in the middle space between using my clinical knowledge to create that technical aspect and speak both languages for the business. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I guess I'm wondering then, do you think more nurses should be getting their MBAs to go along with their nursing degree? And where do you see that? How, how do you see that playing out? So I will say that since I've gotten my MBA, I've noticed that more nurses are obtaining their MBA and it's not, it really shouldn't be positioned as a, you know, MBA versus MSN. I think it all depends on where your career trajectory is going and what you feel like you want to do. With that said, I noticed that there's a lot of course offerings now that offer the MSN MBA combination as well, which tells me that the industry is, is, is recognizing that we need someone who can work on the business objectives, right? If you're given a financial budget as a nursing manager and also understand how that budget applies to you being able to get staff members, maybe you can look at your staff and say, Hey, I can afford another 0.4 FTE. I can get, wow, look at this capital budget. You know, I can get three new blood pressure cuffs that's already allotted to make things easier for my staff. For me, um, I think it was really important for me to get the MBA because I wanted to be that clinical thought leader rather than seeing about eight or 10 or 12 or 15 patients a day. I felt that I, I was constantly coming up with these ideas. Well, why don't we do like this? Or can we have a program that reaches these people or when you address things like the social determinants of health, how do you take an idea? I wanted to form a concept, let that concept reach 50 people, let those 50 people take it to their hundred people and spread like so. And for me, the MBA, the MBA did that for me, but I think that the MBA is a unique qualifier that allows you to speak the language of business, right? We, we, we're doing the same things in clinical work and business. In clinical, we might be doing communication, right? We are giving handoffs, we're giving reports, we're addressing patient needs. But business language is a little bit different. They look at things in a more standard way. It has its own, its own, its own language, really. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think if we want nurses in more of these quote unquote non-traditional nursing roles, then we're going to have to start being educated 
in conjunction with, so like you mentioned, the MSN, MBA, dual degree programs are starting to become really popular. And I think that's really important uh, because of everything we just talked about. Absolutely. As you think about how more tech players are entering into healthcare and, and forming those partnerships, I know Apple's is trying to do a lot with their wearables. And then you have like Samsung and Google and, and all these, these, you know, very business savvy entities. I think the nurse's ability to be able to hear and be present in those conversations and then sprinkle and influence and impact the clinical decisions or impact business decisions that are going to affect the clinical staff is is invaluable. I can't tell you how many times I've heard suggestions or maybe new approaches to things that just weren't going to work. They weren't going to work. It's not that they weren't going to, it's not that they weren't going to work because we didn't have the, the finances for it, or we had the tech staff, or we had the skills, right? But sometimes it takes the nurse to sit at the table to say, but what about this? But have you considered the regulatory implications of this? Well, that's not really how the workflow goes. You don't, you know, do, you don't chart the patient care before you log the patient in. And so it's the, it's the clinical experience that just makes the product and the, the business system so much better. It takes a nurse. Totally. I mean, you need both lenses, right? You need that nursing lens and you also need that business lens. So I also heard Mm -hmm. somebody got a promotion. Congratulations. (laughs) You want to talk about that? Uh, Yes. Thank you. Um, So yes, very excited. So uh, my career is moving about very rapidly, which is great. Um, There was a time where I was a, a telephonic case manager and essentially my role was to reach out to members who had had a recent health event and help them ensure that they had the right discharge care, follow-up and specialists to follow up with. And though it was an amazing place for me to learn more about coordination across different entities and, and, and helping people, I found myself wanting more, wanting to be more involved in the development of said program or initiatives. And so um, after a few conversations, I will tell you, I have amazing women leaders who saw qualities in me that said, hey, listen, you might be a good fit over here, (laughs) given your career path, um, given your career history and your education and the different experiences that you bring. And so that's how I was able to transition into my kind of my nurse tech role, right? Or the nurse in the technology business system area. So after doing some some good work there, um, an opportunity recently opened up where one of my leaders reached back and said, you know what, Rhonda, I think you'd be really good for this next level position. And I tell you, it just meant the world to me because not only did I feel seen and appreciated, but I'm adding value to areas where nurses do not typically hold spaces. And so it's amazing. It's it's amazing opportunity. I'm looking forward to um, embracing what's next. There's going to be great challenges, but there's going to be also impact and influence, right? So it's it's just a, an amazing amazing new venture. I work for a company that's very supportive of nurses and leadership, um, of women leaders. I can't tell you how many amazing women leaders I have, and it's just going to be something new. So stay tuned for that. Well, that's incredible. It sounds like you really have been able to take your background, skills, education, and passion and put them together in this new role. And I think that's great. And it really shows the power of bringing, again, those diverse backgrounds together. Absolutely. My path hasn't been linear, which is something that I'm really quite proud of, but when you describe the different twists and turns that it takes, it's funny because it's all led up to this. Every experience has led up to me being able to impact business systems that touch patients in ways that are both meaningful and needed for healthcare promotion and population health. And that's, that's powerful. Could you imagine creating a process or a product that helps the care team do their best work so that someone can get better 
quicker, more efficiently, and they can go on to live their life and play with their children and go back to work. That to me, oh, it's so special. So let's talk a little bit more about, you said you want to amplify nurses in these different non-traditional roles. I too am a big proponent of amplifying nursing and the breadth and depth of the work that we do. And I'm constantly talking to students and other clinical nurses who don't even know that there is more opportunities out there for nursing than just working at the bedside, which you know, we need, and it's you know, the largest workforce of nurses are at the bedside. For nurses who want to work outside the bedside, I don't think we do as good a job as highlighting those roles for our nursing students and even our clinical nurses. Absolutely. And um, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I want to take a step back to say, what is a non-traditional nurse role? I think you, you positioned it well to say it's a role where a nurse is not necessarily working at the bedside. However, in biopharmaceuticals, right, there are tons of roles for nurses that can continue to use their clinical education and their clinical knowledge to help patients Nurses can do just about anything. And I know we say that often, but what is anything? You can definitely have a nurse in this role. And there are nurse roles out there. It's just, I think sometimes nurses don't know where to look, or sometimes the job is just positioned where it it doesn't clearly call out a nurse. You can be a clinical quality analyst. You can do chart reviews as a nurse, using your experience from the bedside, knowing what evidence-based practice calls for. Reviewing charts to say, okay, this person had an MI, but went home without a beta blocker and an aspirin. Is this right? They can start to advocate for patients on behalf of patients that they haven't seen just by using their clinical knowledge. And so I get excited. I get excited about non-traditional roles because I think that there are people who, I mean, let's be real. Nurse exodus is real burnout is real, but then also there's just a progression. Sometimes the best thing about nursing is that you can change fields, specialties, roles as you wish, based on your desires and your interests. And you're going to see now that there's going to be more opportunities for nurses to do that. We just have to form that connection and we have to let them know what it is that they can do. Yeah. And just because you're leaving the bedside doesn't mean you're not a nurse. Absolutely. And I think that needs that perception needs to go away. Absolutely. I agree. I've personally dealt with that. I hear and mentor other nurses in the field who that's a very real fear and concern. And I think it's, it's multifactorial because it starts inside of ourselves sometimes. Oh, what does being a nurse mean? If I'm not at the bedside and I'm not pushing medications, you know, am I a nurse? you know, um, and then we get that, that burden on us, or maybe sometimes it's the feedback from our colleagues. You're going to do what? Oh, you're going to leave us here to, you know, answer patients <laughs> on the telephone, right. As in, as it is with telephonic case management, which is an amazing role, by the way, for disease management and health promotion. Oh, or I can't believe that you're going to go and, and visit people even in home health. And we, we give credit to the home health nurses who are actually able to bring nursing care and provisions into a patient's home who can who may not be able to get out to see the physician, but still very much communicating with the physician, creating that care coordination, doing the assessments, giving the medications, right? There's nothing less valuable than that. There's, there's no loss of a nurse's worth when you're doing things outside of a traditional quote unquote in hospital job. So Rhonda, before we started recording, you had mentioned you had some exciting things going on in your professional life. Can you talk about some of those, um, especially really cool, the Band-Aid campaign? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so I was recently highlighted and spotlighted by the Brandaid brand for um, a nurse who demonstrated resiliency in uh, adversity. In subsequent posts, it talks about the different challenges that I experienced in nursing school, not necessarily in the nursing program, but we know life happens. And so through that, through some twists and turns, 
Um, I was able to obviously graduate from nursing school and continue on. But here's why the Band-Aid brand campaign is very special to me and such an honor. What I think that post and their efforts are doing is spotlighting diversity in healthcare, which is needed. From what I understand, one in 10 nurses are African-American or Black, which Ironically, the research shows that the more diversity that you have in healthcare, the better outcome is achieved for all patient populations. And that's another really important goal for me to speak on is the need for diversity. Diversity is is very broad. It may not always be having different races or ethnicities at the table or included in a field, but it might also be diversity of skills, right? So the nurse in business or the nurse in traditional roles. But we know that regardless of how we look at diversity or what makes a person diverse from the main population, it's only going to benefit everyone involved and the way that we approach and deliver patient care, whether that's diversity in culture, diversity in language, study, older nurses, younger nurses, second career nurses, right? Diversity is to be embraced. Inclusion is necessary. Equity, definitely high on the ranking. We need this. And so Band-Aid, just by showcasing that, that, that photo and that story, I hope that it encourages other people to say, hey, I didn't come from the perfect past. I might not look like everyone else. I might have failed at a couple of things, but you know what? This person was able to do it. Maybe I can do it too. Or maybe it's just encouraging someone to take that very next step in their journey. And with that, I'm happy to do it. And how do you think the profession should go about also encouraging diversity and inclusion and equity? Because there's been a lot of instances over the past few months where those things may not have been highlighted, or we're starting to see sort of the Um, troubled past of some of our nursing icons. How can we as a profession start to really improve who we're including and how? Mm -hmm. So the first step is you got to own it. You got to own it. There's been mistakes made in the past, but then also you have to pivot and you pivot and you do it. You make it right from this point going forward. And it has to be skin in the game, no performative PR press releases. And that's not to call out anyone specifically, but it's easier for you to put a very sentimental social media post. It's easy for you to flood email boxes to say, hey, we stand with this one or whatever the message is. It's easier to pronounce the stance than it is to actually do the work. And here's what I'm saying. You don't have to do all the work. You don't have to take on the entire responsibility of transforming and and, and undoing all the things that are wrong. Pick one thing, do the one thing well, and create the change. I think nursing has a long way to go in terms of diversity. I think we have to do a better job of trying to attract diverse candidates from maybe high schools or early early career paths. I think we have to also increase the funding to make it possible so that nurses can get to be nurses. I think we need to revise education. I think we need to maybe take away some of these testing gatekeepers because there's nothing, I mean, let's be real, there's nothing wrong with assessing competency, right? But the way that nursing, the way the nursing population needs to grow to offset the amount of you know, nurses who are leaving through retirement, nurses who are exiting because of burnout, or just the the normal, you know, trends of people switching careers, we need to get more people in these spaces and to the RN, right? We need them in, in the nursing field, right? It's not just enough to go to nursing school. So there's, there's many challenges. And how do you even begin to start addressing any one of those limbs when, in another few feet, there may be another barrier. But again, we have to own it. We have to recognize it. And we have to want to change. I mean, sometimes you can see a thing and know it's not right and be very apathetic about it 
and keep going on about your business. But we, we have to want to change and we have to be brave enough to take that step, regardless of what position you have. If you're a leader, you know, and you feel a kind of way about things that are going on, you know, use your voice. I guarantee somebody else will come by your side and ally and say, yeah, and me too. I think this is wrong. Me too. We need to change that. And eventually we'll get enough voices um, to move things forward. Well, me too. And you don't see me here, but I'm going to snap in for you because I (laughs) I totally 100% agree with everything you just said. So let's bring this full circle. When we first started talking, you had said, you know, when you were thinking about your degrees, you didn't really know much about nursing. Now you've been in this field doing a number of different roles for I don't want to age you, but a few years now, Um, (laughs) how has your knowledge and understanding of nursing changed over those years from starting to think about nursing to where you're at now? It's changed tremendously. I think it started in nursing school when you're taught the nursing practice and the nurse's principles. Um, you, you're taught care plans and you're taught all of the, the fundamentals of nursing. But I think that my knowledge and understanding of nursing transforms with every environment that I'm in. So at first, when I started a role in acute inpatient rehab, I got to learn a lot about the post-surgical patient. I got to learn a lot about, you know, how do you handle um stroke patients who are now trying to regain their use of ADLs or activities of daily living? How do you coordinate that learning with the family? How do you now approach this patient who's in a condition? Then you go into the ER, which is fa- it's fast paced. You never know what's coming in the door. You have a body of knowledge in your head. And at any time, you know, it's up to the nurse to try to figure out, you know, what's really going on here. I see nausea and sweating, but is this a GI issue or could this person be having an MI? And so nursing brings upon autonomy, which I love, critical thinking, which I love, the ability to, like I said, enter into new spaces. Rare diseases was an amazing time. I did not, I got to learn more about pathology, about the cardiopulmonary system than I'd ever known. And in in a way, to give that knowledge back to the patient so that the patient was encouraged and the patient was actually, uh, could actually embody what was going on in their body, why the medication was important, what kind of changes they may experience and how to adjust for it. Then going into management, being able to lead and then going into case management to again, try to understand how does the health system work as a whole? We tend to look at things in a silo. The patient was here for telemetry services and went home. But what happens when they go home? What happens when you have to coordinate them back to the physician? What happens when the physician finds a disease, but then the the patient doesn't get that specialist, right? How do we close the gaps? So like I said, in every sector of healthcare that I've worked in as a nurse, it's given me a fresh lens. It's given me a new view of how the whole system works, how everything is connected, how everything impacts another part, and then how nurses can step into roles and really advocate for patients, take up that charge, be the expert that people may not realize that they need at that moment in time. That, that to me is how nursing has evolved um, in my mind and in my experience and enhanced my own life. I can't tell you how many phone calls I get about maybe someone's recent discharge, right? Maybe a friend, I was just recently discharged from the hospital. And in my mind, the nurse brain is still working. I'm thinking, I hope she has a follow-up. You know, does she understand her medicine? Did someone tell her how to take these medications? <laughs> so, I mean, it, in a nutshell, that's it. That's it. Nursing has become this giant part of me that I've loved. I've loved. It's become just everything. Well, Rhonda, that seems like the perfect place to end this conversation. Thank you so much for talking with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Marion. I've enjoyed this time. And you know, it's funny because even though I'm not sitting at the bedside right now, just going through the different experiences has just lit my fire again. I feel so invigorated. I'm ready to just continue to do the work. Well, I love it. I can't wait to follow that work. So thank you. Thanks. Hello, Marion. 
Hello, Angela. How's it going? It's amazing. I just listened to your interview with Rhonda. What a fantastic interview. Yeah, isn't she great? She's doing so many cool things. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Yeah, she is an incredibly curious and creative person. She's so engaging. She's definitely the kind of leader I would love to work for. Totally. And I I love her path to nursing and within nursing, right? Like she had no idea anything about nursing. It would never occurred to her to be a nurse until a couple of people mentioned it to her. And now that she's in the profession, boy, she has exploded. And she's doing all the things to take full advantage of her nursing degree. And now with her MBA as well, really being able to combine those two experiences and those two lenses to really move the profession forward. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think she really understands the importance of translating nursing into business and business into nursing. Yeah, and it's a really important skill and trait to be able to have, I think. I totally agree. And just her, her philosophy on innovation as not being just about tech, like it's such an easy trap to fall into that you need to, you know, develop some sort of program or app or, or need some sort of gadget in order to improve practice. And she's showing how that's not necessarily the case that you can just relook at something in a different way and come up with better, more innovative ways of doing it and improve practice. Yeah, for sure. She really gets it. Technology is not always innovative and innovation is definitely not synonymous with technology. And she totally understands that and is a great leader for nurse-led innovation in that way. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can, please do us a solid and rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.